2: in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: That's right. I'm Lewis Carr, host of the Blueprint Connect Podcast. The Blueprint Connect Podcast is an extension of the Blueprint Men's Summit where we have consistently given men a prescription for growth. Not just for themselves, but also for their families and their communities. During these podcasts, we will educate and motivate our listeners about entrepreneurship, careers, finances, health and wellness, and relationships. We've had a presidential election. We've had COVID-19. You've launched a book. You've launched new music, basically. How excited are you about what the future holds? You know, um, it's funny that you asked that.
4: I, I don't think that uh that you know trials and 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 circumstances care about what year it is, but at the same time, a new year means means you get two new things. You get new choices and new chances. And so I'm I'm excited about. The opportunity to make new choices, and I'm excited about the opportunity for new chances and so i I look forward to it
3: so how's the music and the book
4: doing oh man uh the music on on a musical note today, I just found out that uh a couple of of songs were nominated for Grammys, so that's a blessing you know that's a uh,
3: that's a big deal,
4: yeah, that's incredible and uh the book is doing phenomenal uh you know i'm i'm Grateful more than anything of the the response that I've been hearing from the book, as far as people saying, you know, certain chapters really uh, impacted their lives, their perception, and and uh, and, and helped uh, them hope again. So,
3: so you know, the 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 big news uh, coming out of Washington D.C. is that we have a new administration
0: mm-hmm. that
3: will be taking office that third week of of, of January. Uh, What are some of the things that you are hoping for with this uh, change in new administration?
4: Oh, yeah. Well, with the change in administration, um, I'm hoping that our voices are heard. Um, You know, that's been a lot of the rally cry of, you know, the the, the president-elect and uh, the vice president is that our voices will be heard, the voices of uh, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the voices of people of color, the voices of women uh, will be heard. And so I think we get the opportunity to really take them to task on that and to really say, hey, man, we, we've heard these, uh, you know, uh, promises and and uh, we're holding you to the the standard that you presented to us. And that's what
3: I'm hoping to see happen. So we, we, we had a lot of young people show up at the polls uh, earlier this month, uh, we were all hoping for it. Uh, they delivered for us. How do we keep these young people engaged and involved and excited uh, through 21 and beyond? How do how do we do that? Yeah, I think part of it is just reminding them of of
4: how necessary they were in this election. And so when when you know if you can see it you can be it if you can if you can uh behold it you can become it and if they can see the effect that they've had on society then they realize oh wow you know my vote does matter my participation does matter and i think this showed it uh more than anything has in, in my lifetime so i'm sure you know um people see it and now it's just about us recognizing and realizing how important the the local races are and how important it is for us to get involved in our efforts
3: and our voices, you know when you know your voice matters, you use it a lot more often. you got two big ones coming up uh in, in uh, about a month and a half away indeed uh how excited and energized are you about that i am I'm grateful
4: you know just to be uh you know excited i mean included in and just knowing people you know just knowing uh you know reverend warnock and and knowing his Contributions and knowing him personally. He's he's taken me on a personal tour around, you know uh, uh, Dr. King's old stomping grounds and so just to know that there's somebody who cares and understands the legacy of leadership Um in in the country and in society is a a blessing to me
3: So most places of worship uh, All over the world have been shut down most of 2020 how has that affected you personally and how has it impacted your music?
4: Yeah. Um, what I think everybody had different perspectives. I think I went into it initially thinking, man, what is this going to mean? And, and you know, there was a panic of just, you know, the whole thing is shifting and there's this virus and how's this, what does this all mean? And then it's the economy. And how is it going to affect the economy? And then you had all these plans, I had I had a tour. I had all this stuff planned out for 2020. And it was like, nah, none of that's happening. Um, And so what I had to do was I had to kind of pause and remember and remember that even if I can't change the situation, I can be changed by the situation. So I started looking internally like, OK, how can I grow? How can I what what can I do? And so that was a time for me to to take more um, time to learn about some other things that I hadn't spent time learning about different industries, real estate, so on and so forth. Um, but it wasn't necessarily, ai didn't, I didn't take like a lot of people were just trying to like overdo it. And like, Oh, if you, if you ain't got your second degree during the quarantine, you wasting your time. I, I wasn't trying to be that type of person. I was just trying to be, I was taking it as an opportunity to say, okay, what can I adjust? What can I tweak? And not necessarily like Bury myself in more work, so it didn't work out like I planned it. But I gained a lot, you know, uh, mentally, emotionally. You know, I got to be more more stable, and I and I learned a lot in this process.
3: Through your journey, when was that defining moment, Lecrae? When you made a decision that you were very comfortable with the type of decisions, the life you were going to lead, the faith that you had, regardless of what other people said or thought. You know, we all go through those moments in our life where we're going, yeah, 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 you wrestle with a decision, you wrestle with should I do this or should you do that? And then you go like, This is what I'm doing. I don't care what nobody else. What what was that defining moment
4: for you? I remember like it's yesterday. Uh I was um so I was working at a cable company and um I had actually I had actually lied to the vice president of the cable company and said that I had a degree in something I didn't have a degree in just to get an internship. So then I got the internship and then it led to me getting a, a position in marketing at this cable company. So I'm working in marketing. I'm thinking I'm in corporate America. I didn't hustle my way up into this job. And, um, and you know, everybody's happy. My family's like, whew, you made it, you ain't in jail. You just like, you got a corporate job, whew. And uh, and I started working on music and I had finished this whole project, this whole album, and um, I was getting some offers to do shows on the side. And around this time, I had a choice. I They were going to discontinue my department or I had to move to Philadelphia and um, and work if I wanted to continue this job. And I was like, man, if I if I stay here, they give me a, like a, a severance package. Or I move and get a, a little bit of a raise, but I still got to stay in this corporate lane. And I knew I wanted to do music more than anything. And so I said, I'm going to take this severance package and make this music thing work. I'm going to figure it out. I got my rent paid for the next six months. I got six months to make this thing happen. And uh, that was the defining moment. That was when it was, it was faith. It was all faith. Everybody was like, what are you doing? This was this is the, the, the bread and butter. This was the milk and honey. Uh, but I had to follow what I knew was, was the best opportunity for me at the
3: time. That's great. We'll be right back with more of my interview after this quick break.
2: I'm Tamika D. Mallory, and it's your boy, My Son, the General, and we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but same old. Us. Oh.
3: and inspire people to be their best self. Uh, your music is sort of follows a similar path, all right? How deep do you go when you're writing music? I mean, you know, what type of situations are you thinking about? Are you thinking about currently what's going on in the world and how you can impact people? Kind of give us some insight into how you write your lyrics and how you do your music and, and the purpose behind it
4: yeah i definitely i always want to connect with you know the least of these the, the 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 average the single mom who's got to go to work every day. I want to connect with the with the brother who's riding on the train trying to make ends meet and and busting his tail to to get the little bit he can get so i I never want to get to a place where i'm I'm sitting in the ivory tower and I'm disconnected from people, so I always want to talk about real life, real issues, real pain, real suffering, but real hope. You know, because society said that this little boy who came from, you know, a uh, uh, inner city area, single parent home, drug addicted father, kicked out of schools, brought home by the police, that I wasn't going to amount to much. And and I needed people who believed in me. I needed people who could believe that there was a future for me. And I know that there's people out there who need to know that somebody believes in them. Even if they can't see my face, I want them to know, I believe I believe it's possible for you. And so I'm writing for you. I'm writing to give you a hope, you know, uh, that, you know, a way will be made for you. So
3: who are the way makers in your life? I mean, when you, when you look back, uh, when we were talking earlier, I told you I had 19 and people said, well, how you know it's 19? Cause I intentionally went back and, and I counted the people who sort of interjected their self and uh, interjected advice into me when I didn't even think I knew it or wanted it or cared about it. They just, they made a conscious effort to try to be a waymaker and open doors for me. Who are some of those people in your life that you think back and, and, and usually Ray, you always wonder why did they do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you go, I, I didn't ask, oh, well, why do they care so much? Mm. Who are the people in your life that sort of impacted you in that way that you'll never forget?
4: Yeah, I think uh, the first person that comes to mind, I mean, outside of my mother, and my grandmother, of course, you I know why they did it. Um, but outside of them, uh, first person that comes to mind is uh is really my um my fourth grade teacher. You know, Miss Wolf and Miss mm-hmm. Wolf. I, I I could have been seen as a disruptive, rambunctious child, but she said I'm. Um, she she figured out I was bored, and she said, "Oh, you might have some some gifting, and if we put you in a special class that challenges you in some different ways." Then maybe we'll get the most out of you. And then that's how it came to be found out that I had a gift in the arts, and she would be behind me, pushing me to, to get involved in the creative processes of things. And, and you know, I would have never explored those things were it not for her. So I think of Miss Miss Wolf of of course. And then um I think honestly, you know, of Kirk Franklin. Mm-hmm. He's been a huge way maker for me. Uh because and what i do there's not a forerunner there's nobody who has done it and and could tell me how to do this thing um and kurt just took it upon himself to say hey let me reach out to you what you got questions do you understand this do you understand that let me tell you about this and and what do you think about this and he just took it upon himself to be a big brother to me for no reason i I had nothing to offer this man you know (laughs) nothing at all but uh he sought to help me understand the music industry a little bit better and to understand, um, you know, that I had, I, I I, was a pioneer and, and it was going to be rough. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so that, that was a, that was massive for me.
3: Who was who that way maker that encouraged you to, 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 to write a book? I I remember sitting on a plane myself and I was sitting next to this guy and everybody who got on the, on the plane, McCrane knew who he was. All right. They were like, uh, can you sign an autograph? And I'm going like, trying to read his signature to figure out who he is. So when the plane took off, I said, I I need to apologize. I said, clearly everybody on this plane knows who you are except me. Uh, So can you tell me? And he said, "Uh, my name is Harvey McKay. I wrote the book Swimming with the Sharks, and it turned into a movie, blah, blah, blah. So we kind of laughed and joked. And then he turned to me and he said, and uh, when is your book coming out? And I said, I don't don't have a book. I, I don't write. <clears throat> he said, why are you being so selfish? I said, what do you mean by that? He said, every person has a story that at least one person on the planet can connect to and interested in. And you can change that one person's life. So don't be so selfish. Share your journey. I'll never forget that. That's the reason I wrote a book. So who was that person that sort of jogged your mind and said, hey, write a book. Tell your story. Yeah. You've um, wrote, wrote, wrote a couple.
4: <laughs> my, actually, my um my aunt Kathy, she she used to do our family newsletter. So she just took it upon herself to do a newsletter for our, our, our entire family. And uh she was really good at writing. And um, <clears throat> you know, she was a little overwhelmed with work and some other things, and she asked, you know, if I could help out a little bit and um and she was like, no, you're, you, you can write, you should write, like, you know, just based off of the songs and this and this, like, you need to write. Like, I see a book in your future. And I was like, really? You know, and I, I never really considered it. Um, but that seed stayed planted in my mind that, uh, you know, that I don't have to just be a musician, that, uh, you know, my, my creative outlet, and my abilities can be used in, in a lot of different ways. And so that was probably, you know, the initial seed that that took place.
3: So so you, you you talked about Kirk Franklin on your new album. You you have a collaboration with John Legend. Yeah. Uh tell us who else you, you, you want to collaborate with as as you look towards 2021 and beyond. If it's possible, my favorite
4: artist favorite living artist uh, uh right now is lauren hill miss oh, wow. hill, specifically yes miss okay. lauren hill um, you know she's she's extremely inspirational to me and she's been misunderstood probably for the you know the latter part of her career uh but she's brilliant and I think she's always made amazing music and um uh really never had to compromise who she was in order to be successful in this industry. And so, um, first of all, if you can make one album and still be celebrated <laughs> a fun album. 25 years later, then it's, a, it, you know, that's an amazing feat. Um, so yeah, that would be amazing
3: for me. What are some of the projects you, you look to work on, uh, in 2021?
4: Yeah. So in 2021, um, I, I'm working on a, a curriculum around, uh, uh, the the armor store book. Um I also am working on another book that's more in the business realm, just just giving away some of the secrets that I've learned um in having run a a business for the last 10 years. Um and then also there's some film projects, film and TV. So I've been trying to move into that space a lot more. Um, and we just we just um completed a documentary that uh we got a, a deal for and then also there's some pilots, a TV pilot that uh, we just wrapped up. So hopefully, you know, Lord willing, that'll that'll continue the ball moving forward. And uh, of course, documentary on you. The documentary is on me and and uh, and you know my constituents. So just the world that I exist in. Yeah.
3: Okay. So speaking of that world, when 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 your name is mentioned in any circle, the response is always great guy, good wow. guy. Wow. Is, is that something that you worked on or that's just something that has followed you since you were young?
4: Somebody told me I'm trying to remember who it was. <clears throat> I can't remember who it was, but I remember years and years ago. Somebody said, don't worry about your name. Worry about your character. That'll take care of your name. And uh, and that stayed with me. Because, you know, you, can, you always worry about your name. Like, what do they say about me? And what do they think about me? And, and how am I being perceived? But if you're more focused on your character, then you won't have to worry about how they think about you because that's just who you are. And so I'm always more concerned about my own personal character. And I want people to experience the authentic, real me. Um, and so that's just something that I, you know, I, I hopefully uh, something I can continue to pass down for generations that people just continue caring more about the character
3: we'll be right back with more of my interview after this quick break
0: Danielle Moody here host of the Woke AF Daily podcast we've been with iHeart's Outspoken network for a year and what a year it has been every weekday I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests
3: So uh, this inaugural issue comes out in Black History Month. So tell me about two people who have historically impacted your music uh, and your faith.
4: Man. Um, I would say um, musically, John Coltrane, historically. uh, John Coltrane he created this, the same kind of music that his contemporaries were creating in terms of it being it being uh you know instrumental jazz music but his faith informed his music and so it wasn't as if he was trying to make a gospel project it was that he was he was this is just who he was and so what was in him was coming out of him so you didn't have to be a christian to appreciate it or to experience it and that's what i want everybody to I, I want my music to be perceived that way as well, is that, man, wherever you stand, wherever you, however you believe, I want you to appreciate the craftsmanship and the artistic uh, contribution that I made because I work hard in my craft. Um, And so, you know, he's been phenomenal for me in terms of music and faith. And then I would say Carter G. Woodson. Uh Reading *The Miseducation of a Negro*. a uh, Matter of fact, the 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 author and inventor of Black History Month. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but reading *The Miseducation of a Negro* literally changed my life. Um, you know, the, the, the book talked about every type of topic you could imagine, from industry to faith to uh academics academia and and the thing i pulled from his book that I, one of the nuggets that i pulled from his book is that oftentimes the the black community uh when we when we learn something we can get a little bit lofty and we don't find a way to disseminate that information to those who haven't learned it and so we're talking above their heads instead of you know, if you think about a megaphone, a megaphone is, is effective when you speak into the little end and it comes out in the big end. But oftentimes we turn it upside down and we have all this information we're stuffing in there and we can't. It does not make it to the masses. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he just helped me with that perspective to to think about ways to communicate lofty things and bring them down so that everybody can
3: appreciate them and enjoy them. OK, Uh Next question is March is is Women's History Month. Yeah. So who are the women that have sort of had an impact on you as a man uh and how you operate uh as a man and a professional today? Who are those women? I I was raised by all women. So,
4: you know, my grandmother, uh Georgia Campbell, uh is she she taught me to consider the poor. She taught me to uh, be selfless and to, to, to be a giver and not a taker. Um, You know, to this day, she's 93 years old. She still goes to the food bank to, to to pick up stuff, to give to people who don't have. Um, My mother, uh, you know, my mother was, she taught me that I'm, I am more than a statistic. You know, she put books in my hand and she made me read the autobiography of Malcolm X at 13 years old. She made me read Eldridge Cleaver's Soul on Ice. She made me read W.B. Du Bois, Soul of Black Folk, you know. And you're talking to an individual who was more concerned with gangs and drugs, but she's like, you're going to read this book. (laughs) So um, just brilliant. And my Aunt Teresa, uh, who sent me postcards from Tokyo and helped me see that we could go beyond our, our, our street corners and our neighborhoods. And so... You know, those women changed my life and impacted me greatly. I wouldn't be where I'm at without
3: them. So speaking of family, you've got three children, correct? I do. What is it that you want to change in this country drastically so that they can have a better opportunity than what we've seen in the past? What, in your opinion, needs to change? Yeah.
4: Um, <clears throat> well, well, I think... The gaps need to be filled. You know, there's an educational gap that exists in our community. There is a wealth gap that exists in our community. There's an opportunity gap that exists in our community. So those gaps need to be filled. Um, You know, we have plenty of, of qualified and even overqualified individuals coming out of schools who can't find the proper employment because they're not a part of certain networks. And uh, and that that's a gap that needs to close. Uh, we have individuals who, you know, don't have access to quality education because of a, of, a, of an educational gap, you know, where as people only want to teach in certain communities and quality teachers are recruited over here, but not over here. Um, and, and then the wealth gap, of course, you know, we see the discrepancy and uh, the despair, the, the dis- despair in numbers. Um, And so I I would like those gaps to be closed so that my ceiling can be my children's floor, you know, so they can they can pick up where I've left off and uh, and continue to to mobilize and to inform and to to continue to spread uh, that information.
3: And to people like myself, those of us who sit in corporate America, who are close to the power, who basically are in corporate boardrooms, who uh, understand the things that are around the corner. Tell us what we should be doing hmm.
4: um, <clears throat> that's great as a matter of fact, I think it's you know similar to what uh what Carter G wilson you know was talking about It's that you all are privy to the insight and the information. How do you disseminate that you know down to the general population? Um, I, I think I look at what someone like Stacey Abrams did about getting people registered to vote. She understood the ramifications and, and what go, was going on in politics. And so she had a grassroots effort to mobilize people so that they could participate in something bigger than um, than even they understood. And so I think that's part of it. And then the other part is um, when you're in power, there's a level of of patience and training. Um, sometimes it's not that the person doesn't have the character or the capability it's that they, they don't have the opportunity. And so it's just being able to take somebody and say, Hey, I I know you don't have, you, you just haven't had this chance. Let just let me walk with you and teach you some of these things, um, and not hold it close to my chest. And so I think that's, that's a huge part of it. Um, you know, and what you're doing right now, this is exactly how you do those particular things.
3: So. Uh, final question. And it, it, it's a, it, it's, it's a good one, man. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to have a dinner with any icon, dead or alive, who are the three which you want to have dinner with? Any three icons, dead or alive? Wow. Wow. That's
4: massive. That is a good one, because man, uh, I, I gotta have Dr. King at the table because there's okay. so much I want to know. You know, so much I want to know. I, I would, I would want to know what he thinks about how people perceive him today. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would like to have uh Angela Davis at the table. You know, um, she's just a brilliant thinker and. And um, you know, and fiery, love to have her there. And um, let me see who else I got. Angela, I got, I got Dr. King. I'm you a, gonna,
3: throw, you gonna throw somebody in music in there?
4: I was, that's what I was thinking. I was like, who, who is that person that I really want sitting there? So I gotta rewind. I want Tupac there,
3: okay? I want Tupac. okay.
4: Young revolutionary,
3: that's a good conversation. You got that, Tupac, that, that Dr. King, Angela Davis. That's a good one right there. I'm oh, man. Oh, man, this has been great. Thank you so much.
0: The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God.